one of the things I love about our church is that we're a church that celebrates the passing of the peace. And over the years, I think for some of us, it's become this time where it's a moment of greeting. But the reality of it is, is the passing of the peace is provided in a service as an opportunity for one brother in Christ to another brother in Christ or sister in Christ to go to another and to make right a wrong before they come to the Lord's table. And forgiveness is a beautiful thing. And each one of us has been forgiven. And this morning we're going to talk about that. But won't you pray with me? Father, we love you and we thank you. We praise you for how you have forgiven each one of us so much. And God, as we look at the way that you taught us to pray through your son Jesus, we pray that you would help us, since you first forgave us, to be willing to forgive others. And so God, we give you this morning, we pray that you would touch each one of our hearts and speak to each one of our hearts exactly in the way that you need us to hear, God. And so God, we confess our sins to you. We confess our, our trespasses to you right now. And we ask you, God, to convict us and to remove those so that we can be fully here in this moment and not distracted by something that happened on the way to church or yesterday or whatever it may be, God. But speak to us now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, as you've been with us the past several weeks, we've been in a series um, going through the Lord's Prayer. And we've been breaking it up and looking at each one of the little statements that Jesus teaches us when he teaches us how to pray. And I can't emphasize to you enough the fact that when Christ puts a word uh, to pen, when, when, when we see red letters, when Jesus speaks a word, there's not a single word that is just kind of thrown out there. Even the word the, used by Jesus, has been methodically and strategically planned out and thought out. And every word of this prayer holds just sermons worth of meat. And I want to encourage you as, as we pray the Lord's Prayer together, don't just let it become another routine that happens before football games. Don't let it become another routine that we go through on Sunday mornings, but truly listen to the words that you're speaking to God, listen to the words that Christ teaches us. This morning, our segment finds us in a portion of the Lord's Prayer where Jesus says, forgive us our debts, that we're to pray for forgiveness of our debts as we forgive others for their debts. And so as we start, I just wanted to share a quick story with you from the early days of when I first got married. Uh, young husbands often have to learn how to ask for forgiveness in this stage of their relationship. And so what happens is, is my wife and I had just been married. We moved into a farmhouse. And being the avid outdoorsman that I am, I began to think in my head, you know, it would be fantastic. I love to hunt. I love to fish. I love to be outside. I've got this 89-acre beautiful farm that I'm living on. And so every hunter needs a partner, so I'm going to go get myself a dog. And so what I did is I began to look around for a beagle pup. And I found a beagle pup, a little female, and of course, like everybody else who owns a beagle, you name it Daisy. And I named my beagle pup Daisy. But there's one problem in this scenario. I forgot to inform one person about this investment. 
my wife. And so what I did was, as I went up to my bedroom and closed the door and crawled into bed with my new beagle puppy, and I waited for her to come home, and she came home and said, what are you doing? I said, I'm just taking a nap. You want to take a nap? She said, sure. And when she laid down, Snoopy crawled out from under the covers. And I thought, surely she won't be mad. Wrong. Needless to say, I had to ask for forgiveness. And she graciously forgave me and let me keep the dog. A couple weeks later, I went out and I thought, you know, I'm newly married and, and, and something I really love to do is kayak. And what kind of better bonding time could there be for my wife and I than to kayak together? And so, uh, as a whitewater kayaker, I knew that my wife wouldn't be into that. So I went to Dick's and Cranberry and I, and I purchased two brand new kayaks. Now at the time, my wife and I weren't making very much money. And so for this to have happened, this was a significant, significant purchase, a significant sea change, if you will. And I remember coming home with those kayaks on my roof, and I I came inside and I said, hey, honey, guess what I did? And she said, what did you do? And I said, I bought a kayak. She went, you did what? Because you see, I forgot to tell you, (laughs) I didn't inform her of this decision either. Just kind of went and did it. And then I said, don't worry, it's okay, I got you one too. And I can't believe it, but it didn't make it any better. (laughs) Somehow it made it worse. And all of that to say this, my wife forgave me. Those are two really silly but bonehead moves for a new husband, aren't they? And and as after the first service, I'm glad to know that, that they're pretty minuscule into what some of you guys have done. Anyway. That's called justification. We'll talk about that later. Anyway, but my wife forgave me. And and something I didn't appreciate or something I did not even realize at the time was those simple acts of forgiveness were actually laying a foundation for a significantly healthy marriage. Because while it may seem like a silly story, it's amazing how many marriages will fall apart over something so ridiculous as a dog or will fall apart over something as ridiculous as kayaks because there's one thing that doesn't happen. When the person says, I forgive you, they don't truly forgive you. I've been married to my awesome wife for 13 years now and never once has she ever thrown that in my face. I bring it up all the time because I feel really guilty about it. But she laid a foundation that demonstrated a Christ-likeness to me when she said she forgave me. She forgave me. I had not really experienced that in my life before. I think as parents, I have two young children, and some of you have been in that realm before where you have young kids. You know how when your little kid messes up or does something, forgiveness kind of comes naturally to us. You know, when, when, when my son pours over a box of cereal or, or does something ridiculous, and, you know, forgiveness comes naturally. It comes easy. But, but as a youth pastor for a very long time, I've realized that that relationship, or is there something that changes there, that as our kids grow older, as our family dynamic goes on, that forgiveness becomes more foreign to us than it did early on, right? In fact, you see, forgiveness is very counter to who we are as people. 
Because when we're wrong, when we're sinned against, we feel like we have the right to be angry. We have the right for retribution. They owe us something. And in fact, in our society, we look at forgiveness oftentimes as a sign of weakness. We look at asking for forgiveness oftentimes in our society as a sign of weakness or an admission of guilt. There's a lot of you in this room right now in life's stories that you don't care who's at fault. You would love to just find some forgiveness and healing in that relationship that you're thinking of right now. Amen? When Jesus taught us to pray, he taught us to pray for forgiveness. But he also taught us to pray to be able to forgive others. I want to be very clear about a couple of things right now. Forgiveness, as Pastor Barry and I were talking, forgiveness is a process that's going to take time. It is a healing process. It's not something that always happens like that. It would be fantastic if it did. But healing, or excuse me, forgiveness is, is, is even different than rest, restoration or reconciliation. When we talk about forgiving somebody, it doesn't mean that you become a sucker and you simply go back for more. But sometimes we need to forgive and let go of our right for retribution. Because you see, reconciliation is when a relationship is made right. So there's a difference between forgiveness and a difference between reconciliation. Ultimately, God is calling us to reconciliation when we can get there. But I do want to say, there are moments in our life when forgiveness is called for, and reconciliation will never happen. I was able to forgive my alcoholic, abusive, abusive rapist father, but I never felt called by God to reconcile that relationship and invite my kids into that, if that makes sense. And that forgiveness took place over healing in my heart. And the only reason that we're able to forgive in moments like that is, is by calling out to Christ and recognizing as believers that the reason we forgive people is not because we want to be suckers or not because we just want to let them get away with it. The reason we forgive people is because we were first forgiven by God. I love the verbiage that Jesus use, uses here in Matthew I do believe it's Matthew 6, 12. And if you look at the NIV Bible, it, it uses a word. And, and I'll tell you what, when we talk about the Lord's Prayer, there's one question I get almost more than any others when people want to ask me about the Lord's Prayer. And it's this. Why do some people say debtors and some people say trespasses? Well, I'm going to tell you. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Matthew 6. And we're going to take a look at what Jesus says here in, in verse 12. Jesus says... Forgive us our debts. Now, the first thing that pops into our mind when we hear the word debt is finances. And in fact, the word that is used in the original language is so much deeper of a meaning than just mere finances. 
that some people felt that they would change that word to, to trespasses because trespasses is a word, it has the same significance to it, but even more so because trespasses is, is kind of this violation of a person. Where a debt just sounds like someone who owes me five bucks could be a debt. And so well, in the original language, it, it uses a word that specifically talks about that type of sin. We owe something to somebody. But I want to make very clear that this is just not a financial statement. It's a condition of the heart when we trespass against somebody. We are violating them in one form or another. And maybe it's financial. Maybe it's slander. Maybe it's hate. But Jesus is driving home the point that that word is weighty. And it is not light. I love our scripture reading for today that we find in the book of Matthew. And it's found in Matthew, I believe it's 18. The story of the unmerciful servant. So if you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn to Matthew 18 with me right now. Should be just two or three pages over. (laughs) See, Peter and the disciples are talking about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And they're having this long conversation, this long dialogue. And finally, Peter interrupts the conversation after a while. And he says says to Jesus, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he has sinned against me, when he has violated, when he has trespassed against me? Up to seven times? And you see, Peter's an interesting character here because if you remember, Peter's the one, he's, he's kind of like captain overreaction throughout the story of Christ and the disciples. Peter, in fact, is not ever really going to grasp the concept of forgiveness until he's reinstated by Christ later after the resurrection. Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered him, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. When Jesus is saying this, he's not giving us a recipe for anger. Well, this is 78, I have every right to be angry now. That's not what Jesus is doing. In fact, if you focus on the number of times that we're to forgive, I would challenge you to pray because your heart's not in the right place. You see, that's where Peter's heart was. He got focused on a number of times to forgive, but Jesus isn't worried about the numerics of it. He's worried about the heart of it. And so while Jesus fails to grasp the concept that he is to forgive people unconditionally all the time because he is forgiven, Jesus goes into another story, as he always does. I love it. He says, Therefore the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle his accounts. With his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Now, let me say this. Do you realize how much money 10,000 bags of gold is? That's a lot of money. Can you imagine if you worked at one of those credit counseling agencies and you got a phone call from a guy and he said, Uh, hi, um, I really need some help getting out of debt. Okay, sir, we're here to help you. How much debt do you have? Only $6.5 million. That is the type of significant 
money that we're talking about here, that Jesus uses that preacher's exaggeration and, and goes way over the top. $6.5 million is what this servant owed. That's not $5. If I owe $5 to somebody, I'm sweating it. $6.5 million. The point of Jesus making the sum of money that big is to draw attention to the fact that the debt that is owed is unreconcilable by anything that we can do. That that amount of money can never be earned by the servant to pay back the master. And so our story continues. He was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that they had be sold to repay the debt. Because there was a cost. There was going to be a price to pay. The servant fell on his knees before him. He said, be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. What's amazing when it comes to forgiveness is one of the hardest things that we have to do is to ask for it. When we look at this story that Jesus is telling us, what blows me away about this story is how significant the debt is. And our servant here doesn't ask the master to forgive him. What does he ask him? He says, give me time, checks in the mail, be patient. And knowing in his mind that this is a debt he will never be able to pay off, he simply asks for more time. Maybe with the intention of fleeing. Maybe with the intention of running. But there's one thing that this servant had right, and that is this he will never be able to pay what he owes. Let's keep reading. But when the, excuse me, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Isn't it funny how we as Christians oftentimes think the way that we can make something right is by just working a little harder, by doing a little better? The very next line here says, the servant's master took pity on him and canceled the debt and let him go. See, the servant was saying, I'll try harder, I'll do better, I'll do this. But the grace and mercy of the master said, no, the debt is forgiven. And I want to remind us that when that type of debt is forgiven. $6.5 million just doesn't come out of someone's pocket and it's taken care of. There's a significant debt that has to be paid. And and if the servant's not going to pay it back, who pays ultimately the price for the debt that is owed? It is the master. And so at great expense and at great cost to the master, the debt is forgiven. And I want to tell you, Christian, I want to remind you that if you have confessed Christ as your Lord and Savior, your debt has been forgiven. Not because of anything that you did, but because of the grace and the mercy of the Master. 
Isn't that beautiful? We owe a debt we cannot pay. And he paid the debt we couldn't pay. That's beautiful. That should excite us. That should change our hearts. I mean, do you realize Christ has set you free? Christ has given you an opportunity to be free from your sin and is now in the process of reconciling your relationship with God, making it right? That should cause you to be excited. It should cause you to be smile. And as I've been saying over the past several weeks, if your Christianity is causing you to be grumpy, you're doing it wrong. You just got to let go and let God do this through you because this is a joyous thing that you have been set free from your debt and it should change your heart. That servant should have gone out and told everybody what the master had done for him. It should have affected his heart. It should have changed the way he looked at the world. But it doesn't. Because even though he was forgiven, the servant is unwilling to forgive. But when the servant went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now I want to take a moment and pause here. $6.5 million compared to maybe, let's say, 500. Do you think there's a comparison there at all? No. The debt that this second servant owed was very, 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 very insignificant. The servant's master took, excuse me, but when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell on his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. And instead he went off and he had the man thrown into prison until he could pay back the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. If anybody should have been willing to forgive, it should have been the forgiven. I love what the book of Ephesians 4 tells us. It says, be kind, in Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as Christ forgave you. If we're going to accept forgiveness, we've got to be willing to offer forgiveness. And in this moment, Jesus teaches us that this servant did not do that. He imprisoned a man. And then he got told on. His fellow servant, excuse me, but he, he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what he, that had happened, they were greatly distressed and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servants in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master turned him over to the jailers and tortured to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Christians, listen to me. Each one of us as Christians is called to ask 
for forgiveness from our Lord and Savior. And, and when we ask for forgiveness, God, is, he's going to give us forgiveness because of what Jesus did on the cross. We are forgiven. And so as we have been forgiven, we are called by God, as we have read in several different places already, to forgive others. We're called to ask for forgiveness. We're called to offer forgiveness. And when we don't do that, we are taking a, a kind of a promotion that's not ours to take because until you are better than Jesus Christ himself, you should forgive somebody. When you don't forgive, you're saying, well, Jesus is good enough to forgive them, but I don't have to. And that's not a promotion you have received, is it? Because as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are called to forgive one another. Lord Herbert says this, He who cannot forgive others breaks down the bridge over which he himself must pass. When we're unable to forgive, we're spitting in the face of God. And I don't know what your scenario is in your life right now. And, and, and it's easy for me to stand up here and say, forgive, forgive, forgive. It's easy. No, it's not easy. What I am asking you to do, you cannot do on your own strength. The only way that you can forgive somebody who has trespassed against you is by recognizing that you first were forgiven and asking God to give you the strength to deal with it. I talk to people all the time who have silly squabbles over silly things that drive their families and their relationships and their friendships apart to the point where they can't even remember why they're fighting. They just know that they're fighting because somebody's unwilling to say the simple words of, I am sorry. None of us are above it. If you claim to be a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you must adhere to the words of James 2, 12, that say, speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that give freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Because mercy triumphs over justice, judgment. So when you look at this, this servant who's now trapped in bondage, he's trapped in the bondage of his debt, the only thing that he can do is now be tortured by his debt. It says in Jesus' story that he was handed over to the jailers and tortured until the debt could be paid. And I'm going to tell you right now, when you are unforgiving of somebody, you are locking yourself in a prison and you're being tortured by it. Think of it in this light. When's the last time someone cut you off in traffic to the point where you were enraged you were maybe yelling in your car or you just had this angry feeling inside. And the reality of it is, is that person just cut you off and they went on their merry way and they are not giving you a second thought. But they have completely ruined your day and captured your mind and your heart. Why is that? It's because we're unwilling to forgive. Now that's a ridiculous example, but you get the point of what I'm saying. In those silly moments of road rage, we are imprisoned to the torture that it causes. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? 
Brothers and sisters, we are called by God to forgive. We are called to seek forgiveness. Put your pride down. Take that step and say that you're sorry. Romans 3.23 tells us that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every one of us is broken. Romans 3.20 reminds us that none of us can pay back the debt that we owe. So each one of us needs to seek forgiveness. We need to offer forgiveness. As a counseling staff here at the church, there's several of us that kind of go through pre-marriage counseling with couples as they're getting married. And one of the things that we all use is this 12 steps uh, to seeking forgiveness and granting forgiveness. And I want to encourage you right now, if you have a pen and paper, write these down. And I'm going to walk you through these. Because each one of us, we need to seek forgiveness when we need it. And each one of us needs to grant forgiveness when we need it. And this isn't a recipe for success. These are just kind of some statements that have helped. Because each one of our circumstances is different and unique. But I want to give these to you right now. Six steps for seeking forgiveness. The first thing we need to do when we're seeking forgiveness is we need to admit what we did was wrong. And I want to challenge you. Don't just say, I was wrong for what I did. Name it. Identify what you did. Call it by name. Admit what you did was wrong or hurtful. Number two, try to understand or empathize with the pain that you have caused somebody. Look at it from their perspective. Number three, take responsibility for your actions and make restitution if necessary. If you want to be forgiven, go the whole way with it. Attempt to make the situation right. Take responsibility and don't offer excuses. Assure the person that you are talking to that it won't happen again. Apologize. Step five. Apologize. Don't imply an apology. Don't suggest an apology. Say the words, will you forgive me? There's something freeing when we hear those words, forgive me. Just as when we hear Jesus utter them, Father, forgive them. There's healing in saying it. Forgive or ask for forgiveness and apologize. And then the sixth step in this is to forgive yourself. In the book of Psalms, it says that he takes our transgressions and he throws them as far as the east is to the west. So when God forgives us of something, he lets it go. And when you hold on to it, you're the only person torturing yourself with that thing. So if you've asked for forgiveness and you've asked for forgiveness from the Lord... Let it go, man. Let it go. The next six are steps for granting forgiveness, which can be just as hard, if not harder. Because when we've been wronged by someone, we're right to be angry. And in fact, the first step is this. Acknowledge the pain and the anger that you have. 
and allow yourself to feel disrespected. Identify the hurt. Identify the pain. Number two, in in granting forgiveness, is be specific about your future expectations and limits. Although I forgive you, this is how this has to be now. Because I said earlier, reconciliation isn't going to happen. Christ desires that for every relationship, but it's not always going to happen. And you have to set up boundaries and borders. Be specific about your future expectations and limits. Number three, this is going to hurt. Give up your right to get even. But insist on being treated better in the future. You can accept somebody's apology without condoning their behavior. If someone does something hurtful to you, you can forgive them, but you're not called to be a sucker. And you can tell them that was wrong. Don't do it again. And you should. Number four, and this is, this is what I love about my wife, let go of blame, resentment, and negativity toward the other person. When you laid down that right for retribution, you're forgetting that thing. Don't throw it in somebody's face later. Number five is communicate the act of forgiveness. As much as the person needs to say, forgive me, we need to say the words, I forgive you. Don't imply it. Don't suggest it. Say those words. And number six, as I've been saying all morning, work towards reconciliation if it's safe, if it's possible. And I'm going to tell you right now, your possible and God's possible are two very different things. God can reconcile if we rely on him to do so. Seek forgiveness, brothers and sisters, if you need to seek forgiveness. Offer forgiveness if you need to offer forgiveness. John 13, 35 says this, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love begins with forgiveness. Because forgiveness in the mark of a truly repent because forgiveness is the mark of a truly repentant person. Forgiveness that is received from God and given to others. That's how the world will know who we are, by the way that we love one another, by the way that we forgive one another. You know, my wife didn't realize that when she forgave me and didn't keep throwing it in my face. What she was actually doing was setting up a foundation for a healthy marriage. By by just loving me in spite of my flaws and actually forgiving me, it allowed us to heal past it and move on. And I would encourage you to do the same thing. I want to leave you with a quote from a guy by the name of Louis Smedes. He says, To forgive is to set prisoners free and to discover that that prisoner was actually you. Who do you need to forgive this morning? Who do you need to ask 
forgiveness from. Because remember, we were first forgiven. Father, we love you and we thank you. Release us from the torture that we put ourselves through with unforgivingness, Lord. Give us the strength we need, God, to forgive people who have wronged us and who have hurt us. We pray that you would heal us and where it is able to happen, God, reconcile those relationships. And so, God, we just give you this morning and we pray that you would convict our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.